When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Tim Tam McFlurry is back at Macca's. Now available with rich chocolate soft serve. Epic has arrived. The Kia EV9, a groundbreaking all-electric large SUV. Captivating appearance with state-of-the-art design. This is Sports Day. Thanks for your time on Sports Day. This evening certainly been a busy one. If you've missed any of it, Jared Waitley and BP, our tennis expert. Speaking of experts, it's time now to get to our next guest. All thanks to Nutrien Ag Solutions going further for Australian farmers. Find your local branch at nutrient.com.au. Felix von Hoff is our NBL expert. All thanks to ESPN, of course, doing a magnificent job covering the NBL this year. Felix, thanks for your time again. No worries. Happy to be here, mate. I feel like I say this every year when I speak to you, but I've got to say the M- the NBL is flying. Like I've I've been to a couple of games, and and my Adelaide Thirty Sixes are are really struggling. They're the the worst team in the competition. But I was there last Thursday when when Perth decimated them. But I just feel like the strength, the evenness of the competition, it really has had it all this year. Am I right in saying that? Definitely, mate. It's it's absolutely flying, and it has been for the last couple of years. But yeah. I think this year. It's really just taken that extra step as well. Look, almost all the games are sold out. The fact that you're going to the Adelaide 36ers games <laughs> and saying that it's flying is probably saying something as well because that great club, the once great club will say, and they'll definitely be back oh. there soon, is, uh, is struggling to say the least. But look, obviously, you know, I'm at all of the Melbourne games that are here and they're all sold out and the energy's great. But it's also one of the great sort of tells with a sports league and, and how it's going is when, you know, in the early days, you used to be giving tickets away and, you know, be hard to get mm. tickets. But nowadays, you know, even when people text to get tickets, it's, it's almost impossible. And you've got, you know, footy players that, you know, the, the cream of the crop in terms of sporting talent in this country that are sitting in the, you know, the, the back rows and stuff like that sometimes because they can't get the usual tickets where you'd be sitting courtside. And I always think that's a bit of a good judge of, of where the league's at. But one of the biggest things of it, and you, you mentioned it there, the parity of the league. You know, you've got pretty much top to bottom, everyone's in with a chance. And I think outside of a couple of teams at the bottom, you know, these, this final stanza of the season is going to determine who finishes anywhere from second to sixth. Teams can drop all the way through. So any given night, there's no real dead rubber clashes outside of a couple. A lot of them are really competitive games. Yeah, I must admit the uh, Perth-Melbourne game, uh, it was at John Kane, wasn't it, with the Open Arena uh, just before, just after Christmas or just before was uh, magnificent. And you speak of the footballers, Fev was front row and he was 
cheering for for Melbourne, and and that was as good a game as I've seen. It had everything, and and you're right. You mentioned the 36s, and it was sold out. Like they're they're last. They've sacked their coach. They got a new one. They couldn't be any worse. And <laughs> yeah, you couldn't get a ticket. But I guess Melbourne are the, are the story of it. 14 and four. I think they are last time I checked, and they they're the best team in it. But it's not to say they're not gettable. Is is that a fair comment? Oh, they're, they're definitely gettable. And I think their narrative, sometimes we can get we can get a bit lazy and we just look at the team that's so far ahead and it's the easiest story to make. Is, oh, they're the ones. They're, there's nothing that can go wrong here. And, and I think that's what we've sort of fallen into a bit with Melbourne. We need to remember that they've played so many home games, so many mm. home games, and they've lost. They've dropped a few on the road. Now, they're about to go into a road stretch for, I think, the next seven games are all on the road. Because of the Australian Open, they can't play John Kane Arena. They've got to be playing these road games. And look, they lost their last road game to Cairns who aren't all that great by about 20 points. So I think that Melbourne, if there's ever a time to catch them, it's going to be now. And the real test for them is going to be this road trip. If they come out of that relatively unscathed, then I'll, I'll happily buy into the, uh, you know, if there's mm. to lose right now. But I think there's a couple of teams nipping at the heels that will be pretty happy to see Melbourne drop a few road games. Yeah, speaking of uh, road games, I, I mentioned I went to the Perth-Adelaide game and was fortunate enough to catch up with, with John really after, and he was really generous with his time. But they'd been on a, on a six, seven-day road trip across the Christmas period. And, I mean, the way that they've turned their season around, two and five, they started their front-page stories on the, the front of the West Australian. They're so passionate um, and everyone was panicking a little bit, but they did hold it firm, and the leadership of the club was really strong, and and they looked good. L- led by Bryce Cotton, like the guy's a freak. If you watch him live, the amount of work he does on and off the ball is frightening. How's the MVP race sitting right now? Is he in the mix? Yeah, well, the, the Perth Wildcats are a funny one, isn't it? Because it was they were calling for Hutchie's head, they were calling yeah. for John Rilly, and how, how quickly the sporting landscape changes, especially with those crazy West Australians. They've, they've calmed down a lot when you're winning. But the MVP race, I think that the way that Bryce Cotton has just absolutely turned that Perth season around, it was his stats perfectly match up with wins. Now, it's a dangerous mm. way to play when you're so heavily reliant on one player in it. It's always that age old, how do we judge the MVP? Is it the most valuable player or is it the best player on the best team? But I think no matter... What way you go, Bryce Cotton's currently the clubhouse leader. I think another one that's a smoky is Pat Miller from Cairns. He's been playing quite well as well. A guy that was brought in to be a backup and now he's an MVP contender. Jalen Adams is another guy that's been putting up really big numbers. But I, I think right now, as it is at this point every year, it's Bryce Cotton's to lose for the MVP award for sure. Um, and some of the other the storylines, I guess um, New Zealand are, are starting to turn the corner a little bit and, and they look uh, to be... Um, have the goods really. I think Perth go and play there in the next couple of days. So that'll be a good test for them. But is there any team apart from Adelaide that are out of it? Like the Hawks are, are a fair way back as are Brisbane, but not completely out of touch. No, I think, look, even even Adelaide, you just you never know what can happen. And teams can turn it around in the NBA. We've seen it before. Teams have lost 10 games in a row and then made the grand final series. But the, the Hawks are the interesting one right now. And, and the Breakers, who have got their... You know, a guy that at the beginning of the season was a league MVP candidate in Cheatham. He's back in their lineup, and now they're starting to win a couple of games. But the one for me is the, the Illawarra Hawks. Look, they've won. I think they're, they're sitting, they've won their last, or their four out of their last six that they've won, and they've won in good fashion now that mm. they've got their new coach, uh, Jason Tatum's father, in Justin Tatum, who I've called Jason Tatum, I think, about 17 times <laughs> in the broadcast now. I just, oh, I just can't, I cannot get it wrong, and I'm sure he gets it all the time, and he absolutely hates it. But, but he's right now, he's turned this club around, and they're, you know what it's like to play for a coach where you'd run through a brick wall for them. Yeah. And this is the sort of guy that they're saying he is. They say he's like a dad in the locker room. Now, I don't know whether that's a good or bad thing, but 
it, it seems to be working for them right now. So they're mm-hmm. a team that, you know, with the way they're playing, they could sneak up into the top four and surprise a couple of teams. So, yeah, it's, there's definitely no one's out of it. I would even say Adelaide are very, 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 very tough there. They, they probably mm-hmm. need a you know, LeBron James of sorts to, to get in there and fix it up. But they're, they're definitely, uh, you know, they're, they're still capable of winning games. There is always the NBA connection, which which I kind of really like. And you mentioned Jason Tatum's father there. Alex Saar is the, is the number one prospect, as far as I've read, to be first picked in the NBA draft. We've seen the success of of Josh Giddy. I must admit, Felix, I'm I'm not sure about him. Like he he plays, I don't know, eighteen to twenty minutes. He's a couple of highlights, but he looks pretty raw to me. Is he ready to be the number one pick, or am I missing something? Well, it's an interesting one because I do think that this draft is not the strongest draft that we've mm. ever seen. You look at last year's, it's definitely not. You know, there's no Wemba Yamas coming in here the previous year, Chet Holmgren and, and a few of those other guys. But I do think the thing that people have to remember with Saar is that it's the potential. You know, at, at 18 years old, at that size, a little over seven foot in the way that he moves, the NBA mm. teams, what they're looking for, they're not necessarily looking for production immediately. Now, when you see guys that age with production, you get your mellow balls, NBA Rookie of the Year. Josh Giddy, the guys that are putting up those numbers immediately. But I think the exciting thing with Sai is the tools that you've got to work with. You know, he's, he's super tall. He's super long. He can shoot. He doesn't play outside of himself. He plays to win, which is a big one as well. You know, he could go out there and he could hunt stats, but he's helping Perth win games. And I think that's the thing that's most impressive about Sar. And we also have to remember the competition that he's playing against here compared to what the competition guys in college are playing against. Who are the guys that he's going up with? in this draft is a lot, a lot tougher playing physically against men, especially in that sort of centre-forward position. So sometimes it's hard to see, but the NBA is one of those leagues where Saar could get drafted number one, he goes over there and he averages 20 points in his first year, and we sit here thinking, how does that possibly transfer over? It's just one of those weird leagues where there's guys in the NBL, you know, Jay Sean Tate played over here for Sydney. He played solid, you know, he was a pretty serviceable guy. And he goes over and he suddenly gets a three-year, $19 million deal and he's, he's absolutely balling out. So it's, it's very, the NBA is such a weird league in terms of who works and who doesn't. But I, I would have to agree with you a little bit. I think that, you know, when I look at him, I'm not like he's jumping off the page, but no. I think he's definitely got enough potential to be a number one pick. Yeah, I, I must admit, to be honest, I thought that with Giddy as well. I watched him closely at Adelaide and he, I didn't think he had sure ball handling. I thought he turned the ball over a lot, but then... They yeah. pick him six, and he has a he has a great rookie season, and he's I don't know nearly on the verge. Things haven't gone exactly to plan this year of a, of a max deal. So, you're right in saying that sometimes they're better at yeah. the NBA level than they are at the NBL level. Is that the attraction with, with this competition? Is the level of competitiveness and playing against men? And do you think we'll see more young prospects come out here? Yeah, well, I think I think the, I know there's a really exciting one in the works that we sort of. Nothing's been confirmed on yet. A couple of guys over there because right now your main competition for young guys coming over here because college you can they can earn a lot of money in college now, which is the hard yeah. thing. They can earn almost a million dollars in college, which is tough. But they can also get you know some of these guys can earn six hundred, eight hundred here in that next stars program, so they can get quite a lot of money. But the issue is that G League Ignite, which is their version of the next stars over there in America, it's starting to prove that it's not the best pathway. And you know the, the more guys that come over here and do the Lamelo Ball, the Josh Giddies that sort of stuff, and the better they play in the NBA, the more we're going to get. So I think that over the next couple of years, we'll continue to get more and more. And Saar going as the number one pick is probably going to promote more people to come over here and, and potentially join that program. So it's the hard thing for coaches is that, you know, there's a couple of guys in that program that are so young 
that they're just, even though they'll be good NBA players eventually, they're just mm. too young to make an impact in a professional league. So it's a, it's a tough line for coaches to agree to be a part of the program, but I'm pretty sure uh, we'll, we'll get a few good ones next year and we'll be, have a few more in the lottery. Felix Von Hoff is with us for our NBL update. We'll touch on the NBA in a moment as well. But uh, the big game between Melbourne United and, and Sydney is tomorrow night. What, what have you made of the Kings, up and down? Yeah, the Kings have been up and down, but they've also got a roster that can win against anyone in the league. So it's one of those ones where right now they've got a couple of issues that they need to fix, especially on the defensive end. They've been up and down and they've tried these different things, but some games it just clicks for them and they look like the best in the league. And you've always got to respect back-to-back champions. There's this winning culture within that program. And I think that, you know, Melbourne United are coming into this game off a really tough loss, which they haven't had to do too many times this year. And a game in Sydney... I know they come out in force and, you know, their owner, Paul Smith and whatnot, he'll be coming out and chirping and, and going nuts for it and Andrew Bogut and all those sort of guys. So there'll be a bit of energy in the building. And I think this is, this is a danger game, certainly for Melbourne. So I, I, think, uh, I think Sydney will certainly be able to prove that they're still a contender. All right, it was a big day of NBA action. It seems to be every day is a big day of NBA action. But one team that surprised me is, is Oklahoma. Uh, they knocked off. Boston, who were the best or second best team in the league leading into this game. SGA is absolutely on fire, this young uh, Thunder team. Have they surprised you? Have they snuck up on a few? Yeah, I think that they, they surprised me this year because I didn't expect Chet Holmgren to be as good no. as he is. Like, you know, he's, he's $1.45, I think, by the bookies uh, to win the rookie of the year, which no one would have picked at the start of the year. And right now in, in basketball, as soon as you get a great point guard, a good shooting guard, and a great centre, you can sort of fill in the gaps everywhere else. And the exciting thing for them is they've got so many draft picks over the next couple of years that they're going to be able to trade out for... They're not going to use those draft picks in the draft. They're going to trade them to other teams in order to get other pieces and veterans to fit around. So I think it's exciting times. But this isn't... You know, this is, I don't think this is meant to be a winning year for Oklahoma City, but it is just purely just because they've, they've over-exceeded their potential at the moment. So once they start trading in a couple of those picks and and get some proper talent in there, then I think that this is going to be a really, really special team. And hopefully we can get another small market team up there in the, uh, the championship banner. It'd, it'd be nice. They're, they're fun to watch. But what, what does it mean for Josh Giddy? Because he, he was a predominant ball handler. He doesn't seem to be that anymore. And his, his minutes have slid as has his production. Is he vulnerable on the trade table, do you think? Or do you expect him to sign long term? Yeah, I, I think he's definitely vulnerable. I, I, I think he'd be a fool to go out there and say that he's safe in his spot, mainly because I think um, SGA's come out and been so dominant on the ball as well. And I think mm. they've realised that they can sort of play with him in that position. And he's also, when you look at everyone on that team, he is such a valuable trade piece. There are so many teams out there that need a young point guard. San Antonio, right yeah. now, there's no one who ever wants to give the ball to Wimbayama. You've got <laughs> Sohan out there that's just happy to be on TV. So I, I think... San Antonio are the ones that really need to make a play for Josh Giddy and offer him the max deal to partner him with Wemby. I think that would be the perfect sort of result for all people. But the hard thing with San Antonio is, you know, there's about six or seven players you could put on that roster that they still wouldn't accept the trade deal for. So it's, you know, Oklahoma City, when you're a contender, which you will be, you know, after that, you really want to put something together that can continue to push you forward. Uh, Just not sure of the teams that would be best for Josh have those certain players but you never know a three-team trade four-team trade could end up with him going there but I'd love to see him at San Antonio if they do decide to go down that where's it at with the 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 trade window we saw one a big one between Toronto and the the Knicks involving RJ Barrett I think OG Ananobi's gone there is the window open for a matter of weeks is it open to the end of the year now it's almost hard to get your head around these mid-season trades when you come from an, an AFL background 
Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. And guys are getting moved left, right and centre. But I think I believe we've got a couple more weeks or at least a week to go of it and then it'll shut down. It'll open up again a little bit later. But I believe that there's no real rumours of any massive... Like, you know, the Lakers aren't going to make a play for anyone. There's going to be no contenders that are really going to push any superstars around. So I think it's going to be fairly quiet. The RJ Barrett one was a good one to see. At least he gets to go home to Canada and hopefully live up to a bit of that potential. But, yeah, nothing that'll really blow uh, Wadge or Shams on Twitter out of the water. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, uh, we're loving the NBL season, loving your coverage of it. ESPN doing a magnificent job. You're at the forefront of that. And it's another jam-packed action with all the big guns uh, playing. So look forward to tuning in. We'll chat to you throughout the rest of the year. Easy. Thanks, mate. Go 36ers. Yeah, go the 36ers there. In, uh, all sorts of trouble. My 36ers languishing last on the bottom of the ladder. Um, and they take on Melbourne United, the best team in the comp, in their next game. So look out, Felix von Hoff, our guest there, taking us through the NBL update. And that was all thanks to Australian, mate. It's important to buy Australian right now. Look for the logo and be sure it is Aussie. Been a big day of sport, so let's get to it. All thanks to Brandt Equipment. I'll tell you what, they're the experts in agriculture covering your equipment parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. We just touched on it with Felix, but uh, the next star, Alex Saar from Perth, he's right up the top of the NBA draft rankings, which which did take me by surprise a little bit, but uh, he's the rated the number one prospect by ESPN, so the guru's there. Um, they reckon he's become more and more consistent as the year's gone on with the Wildcats, and his improvement has coincided with Perth's run of wins. So he will be in for a huge payday, the Frenchman, if uh, if he is selected number one in the NBA draft. Good luck to him. Um, now, the comment on his game is that he plays a compact, efficient role as a cutter, roller, and offensive rebounder with plenty of freedom to demonstrate his versatile skill set, pushing off the defensive glass and facilitating as a passer, making perimeter shots in a variety of ways and showing his excellent footwear, footwork, I should say, and soft touch as a finisher, courtesy of the NBA draft expert, Jonathan Gavoni. He explained that. Uh, let's get to some soccer. One of my favourite strikers ever was Wayne Rooney. He'd been fired as the Birmingham City manager after a run of nine defeats in 15 games. That left the team on the brink of the EFL Championship relegation zone. Um, and a couple of American owners of Birmingham, they... Uh, they let him know that he was no longer required anymore. So Wayne Rooney is gone. Sport is brutal. It is cutthroat. And if you missed any of today's highlights from day one of the third test between the Aussies and Pakistan, this is what the day's play sounded like, all thanks to SEN Cricket. Stark left arm over the wickets, up beyond the 140s as he works into things. He bowls to Shafiq. It's full. He's edging and he's out. He's caught it. Second slip. Shafiq's gone. Second ball. Stark strikes instantly the most straightforward catch to Steve Smith and Pakistan dismally one for none. Stark in bowls, in on the pads this time. Turned away by Masood. He got it sweetly off the blade and it rushes to the boundary for four. Three centuries, three half centuries. And he's a goer. Same faces up. He's edging and he's caught by Carey. It's a duck to start a test career for Saeem Ayoub. Second ball of the over, just as Stark did. Hazelwood finally gets the edge that he's been probing for all series. Since 2018, the SCG. Stark to finish his fourth over. Bowls to Barber again, driving through the covers again. That's an even better shot. Nailed out towards the O'Reilly stand for the second time in the over. The dive from Labashane 
will count for nothing. Two fours for Barber. A slight nick. Hazelwood to Barber on 22, and he plays the pull shot out through mid-wicket. Has one man to beat at deep square and beats him comfortably. Barbara's arms, fourth boundary for Azito. Cummins here. Inside edge. Cummins likes it for league before. But he's turned down by umpire Goff. He's sending it upstairs to the TV umpire, Joel Wilson. Two reds. Hits it line with middle. And hit it. Look, it's hitting. Cummins is bowling to him. He's edging and he's out into the gloves of Carey. He fended at the ball outside the off stump. And the Australians are running through Pakistan on the opening morning in Sydney. So plenty of room here. There's an entire bay that's vacant. At the Ramwick end to the side of the sight screen, bizarrely. Hazelwood delivers here to Rizwan, who slips the gully, swings across the line, down the deep backwards square, and clears Mitchell Stark for six. Into the Delhi messenger stand. Ambitious. Marsh bowls. Masood edges to second slip and he's out. He opened the blade, he fed the catch straight to Steve Smith, whose hands are so sure. It's Smith Smith's second catch of the innings, the 172nd catch of his test career. And Masood's got a nasty habit of this. He goes at the worst moments, having set himself up. He's gone. Oh, oh no ball. No ball. <laughs> Oh, Damien Fleming, Mitch Marsh just committed the cardinal sin. Come on, Mitch. That's a big one too, Jared. We'll see the impact of it as the afternoon unfolds. Marsh is bowling to Masood. He's edging and he's caught. Marsh has got the captain this time. He immediately turns to the umpire. Am I all clear? Am I all clear? Sean Masood is walking. Mitch Marsh, he had to wait, but he got his man. Eripili Pisana saved my career just by... If young bowlers are watching Nathan Lyon now... Delivers here around the wicket. Change of angle on the sweep. Sweeps it well. Rizwan into position so early. He plays that shot so often in white ball cricket. The only difference I see from the field they had the MCG the other day is they don't have the fly slip to stop him playing that ramp shot. Josh Hazelwood after the drinks break. Rizwan's on 49. Make it 50 as he clouts it past Warner at backwards square. He took on the field in the leg side. He bangs it to the boundary. He's a terrific wicketkeeper batter, Mohamed Rizwan. And he's taking the fight to Australia. Rizwan, he was motioning early and he lashed out down to deep mid-wicket for six. He shaped early Rizwan and there was no restraining him. Incredible. We're back in England. So many fields in the ashes were set just like this. Usually, though, with a leg gully. Three back on the leg side, as you say, Smithy. Riz 188. Cummins, there's the bouncer. Pulls it out towards fine leg. And he's holdouts! Rizwan, what's he done? He's got down on one knee. He's tried to hoik him into the Brawongal stand. And instead... He's given Pat Cummins a third wicket. And Stark is bowling to Salmon, who pulls past Lavashade in that position and away for four. So the little twist in the field costs a boundary. Cummins bowls again. Saji pulls and he's caught. He's pulled it straight to line at square leg. And Australia's short ball battery buys the wicket of Saji Khan. Storm is coming from the round weekend. It's Stark and he bowls. Salmon pulls straight to mid-wicket and he's out as well. Good tactic. Head takes the catch low down. 
Oh, dear. Solomon is standing with his hand on his hip, leaning on his bat in absolute disgust at what he's just done. Maybe in that kind of newish baggy green that he's wearing. Yeah. <laughs> Might come back to that next over. Cummins bowls here. Back of a length. Hassan Ali helps it down to fine leg. And it carries as well. Another Pakistani player caught in the trap. Straight to Mitchell Stark at fine leg. A fifer for Pat Cummins. Three on the trot for the captain. Away from us. Jamal dances and through mid-wicket. It goes towards the rope for four more. Just getting to the pitch of it. You heard the groan of no from Labashain. Eight runs from the over. Jamal 48. Harms are yet to score. The partnership 45 with Pakistan. Hazelwood is striving to wrap this up. He bowls and Jamal pulls him out into the deep. And he's found the gap and carried the distance. Six. So been out there for 86 balls together. And the strike goes back to the man who wants it. Jamal, five back. Stark bowls, short ball, takes it on, out to deep backward point, finds the gap for more. The Pakistan bench are up on their feet because that's his half century. What a splendid innings it's been. Amir Jamal playing his third test match. Six fours and a couple of sixes. Laden with risk early on, but defined by control as he moved through the gears. Amir Jamal... <laughs> Line bowls reverse sweeping. Jamal oh, wow. whacks that. Absolutely superb to the ladies' pavilion. And that two has, well, that one's carried the journey. That's gone for six. And Jamal is fully lashing out here. Jamal on the advance. Down the ground he goes. He got it right out of the beats. And into the stands for six. Jamal with the long handle against Lyon. Nathan Lyon just took a little bit of pace out of the ball and he just smacked it over wide mid-on. Jamal on the advance again, straight back over Lyon for four. That was absolutely searing as it got near Lyon's hands. And Jamal, not for the first time, goes 6-4 off consecutive balls against Lyon.